welcome, to, welcome to the Managing Expectations podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Winger. With me, as always, is the aide-de-camp, Brian Grimm. Howdy, Brian. Howdy, Jeff. We are getting right after it today, even though I stretched a little bit beforehand. I wasn't uh, completely warmed up, but I, I'm ready to go. Are you, are you loose? I'm loose. Are you feeling, feeling good? Feeling good. good. Okay, that's good. Because I wanted, because I sent you and Jared uh, a text um, the other day that upon rereading, uh, I, uh, I think that we could start a new segment here on the Managing Expectations podcast, and that is weather report or erotica. You make the call. uh well that's that's intriguing i suppose oh anyway so um um we were so it's not entirely coincidental that uh started um listening to gary goleman on depression um you know i've had my own you know, I've felt okay, felt pretty good, but I haven't, I wouldn't say I've felt great, but I think that other people, um, you know, and I think we're going to, I think we're going to see this and I hope I'm not repeating myself. I know, I mean, I've, I've expressed this sentiment in um, private conversations, but I think that people are coming out of their bunkers as the pandemic ends. And we're just beginning to survey the damage that's been done, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and not for nothing, but um, do you have, do you have a read on how uh, evictions are going to go if the feds allow people to be evicted again um i i think it's going to go pretty poorly for those that have not had to or perhaps couldn't afford to pay their rent for the past 14 15 months i i don't know to what extent you actually pay attention to it uh but is it I mean, is it, is it just been, I don't have to pay. And so if I don't have to pay, will there be penalties? Are there, are are there like late fees or does it, does a landlord or a a mortgage, what do you call the bank that holds the mortgage, the mortgage mortgage? Yeah. Mortgage holder. holder. Mm Mm-hmm. So, so there's two things. So there's, there's, there, there was an eviction moratorium. Couldn't, couldn't evict people uh, because they didn't pay their, their rent now. And while that seems like an intrusion of government and politics into the marketplace, you could see how um, if, if people can't go to work people who had jobs and were going to work and were covering their nut um suddenly couldn't go to work and there is a plague scourging the land 
you don't want hordes of homeless infected people i mean i mean it's just bad on a couple of levels it's bad mm-hmm. on a on a social level but it's because homelessness is bad but it's also bad on a on a public health level an mm-hmm. epidemiological level if you will is that right right okay so you can see why the government stepped in even if milton friedman is spinning in his grave mm-hmm. okay um, so, so there's that, there's that, and there was also a forbearance that if you had a mortgage, you could go to your, if you owned your home and you were not renting, you could go to uh, your uh, mortgage holder and, and ask for forbearance. Um, or they did in a lot of cases is that they, if you missed six months of, of paying your mortgage, they just attached it to, they just changed your term. They just added it to the end of the term. And then when you were, when you were ready or able, you could just pick it back up again. Um, now that that did cause a few challenges because of course mortgage rates went really, really low um, and you could not, um, in most cases, you could not refinance your home and, and get a lower rate or pull cash out if you were in forbearance. Okay. And so, and so people are like, well, that's, that's a problem. So I've known of people that didn't have to apply for forbearance, but they're like, well, let's just bank the money and, uh, you know, yeah, put it on the end of our note. Yeah. And put it on, put it on the end of it. Um, but then when they went to refinance their, the, the lender was like, no, that's, you've got to, you've got to get yourself out of forbearance first before we can redo the terms of your loan with a new interest rate or pull some cash out or whatever the case may be. So do, do you think that a lot of people in Denver are going to lose their homes or? Um, so I was just reading about this yesterday um, that, that like, I think nationwide, there are uh, like two and a half million homes that are in some state of forbearance, you know, for whether it's a couple months or six, nine, 12 months or whatever. Um, according to this article, about half of them um, have the funds to get out of forbearance. Okay. Um, and so then you're talking about a million and a quarter, let's just call it a million mortgage holders that cannot, or uh, homeowners that cannot afford uh, their mortgage and haven't paid it for a number of months. I think that there's a possibility that though that there will be a, a, some foreclosures that, that come onto the market. Um, but I really think that it's in the bank's best interest because most of these people have a ton of equity in their homes just uh, to, uh, to refinance, get themselves out of uh, forbearance uh, to to refinance and to make an arrangement with the bank so that way they can stay in their homes and whether that means extending the term or taking or redoing their their entire loan um, where they take that ten fifteen thousand dollars that they haven't paid for some time um, okay and, and 
and redoing it. So there's a lot, been a lot of talk is like, well, that's going to what that's going to burst the housing bubble is you're going to have a million and a quarter foreclosures flood into the market all at one time. I really don't think that's going to happen. Okay. Look from, from coast to coast, a million houses, even a million and a half doesn't seem like that many. Is it? It doesn't. No, it doesn't. I mean, that's, that's a lot. I mean, a million of anything is a lot. Um, not in China and increasingly not here. <laughs> I mean, okay, but in regards to the housing market, um, people say, well, that's what's going to pop the bubble. The truth is, is that we're still like 5 million homes short of what's considered a healthy supply of homes that are on the market. From coast to coast, or is from coast or, to coast, or are you just talking from from sea around to, around the Denver airport, from sea to shining sea. Well, okay, so so okay, so the saddest cases are going to be people who actually have lost their jobs or have gotten sick, and these are always the the saddest cases, mm -hmm. right? Um, I mean, it could I mean it could be like dust bowl. Kind of, yeah, but but so so the folks, okay. So in in apartments, you've got younger people, you've got older people, and you've got families that. I mean, you know, of course, it's it's become very hard for to to, to get into the housing market. Um, what used to be a California problem is now also a a Denver problem. It's a certainly a North Dallas problem. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. I mean, how, how are you supposed to get? Well, I'm not, I, I mean, I don't even know what it is. I think that we put, when we bought this house, we had great credit scores and I think probably 10% down. That doesn't sound like much. Can you get a house with 10% down now? Yeah. Yeah, you can. That's a lot of money in Denver. It is. Yeah. Uh, the median house price in Denver is real close to $600,000. Three bedroom, two bath. Are, are you, are you tapping on something or? No, that's my heart. Oh. I was, I was trying to add some uh, law and order uh, kind of kind of drama. I do miss that Jerry Orbach. Ah, uh, yeah, he was a treasure. Yeah, he's a treasure. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, Jennifer so Gray's dad, Jennifer Gray's dad in Dirty Dancing, which I've never seen, and also uh, starring role in The Fantastics on Broadway, which I've never seen nor heard. Uh, Lumiere in beauty and the beast no is that true i don't know i don't know i don't know any, i don't know anything about disney i don't know we'll have to look it up we'll have to ask somebody who knows okay all right <laughs> go on you were saying uh that I, so, now that you've taken so, away my ball now that i had to give my ball to teacher so yeah, so you're talking about sixty thousand dollars of ten percent, you know, ten percent of six hundred sixty thousand dollars. The average home buyer that's just getting into the market isn't going to have that kind of cash. But, um, but 
you know what there are there's a ton of uh 3% and 5% programs that are out there right now so are there really uh, yeah yeah. They didn't shut that down after the 2008 financial crisis. No, uh, if if you put if you put less than 20 percent down, you've got to carry mortgage insurance. So, which is going to cost you a couple hundred bucks a month. PMI. Mm-hmm. Yep, um, and and that's there. But but you can't just uh, uh, in 2007, for example, you could just say yes, I have a fantastic job, and. Uh, and a lot of good prospects. So I should be able to buy a $600,000 home. I'm bona fide. I'm bona fide. And they would say, that sounds good. <laughs> and uh, uh, money, money, yeah, <laughs> that's exactly right. So money is a little bit more difficult to get uh, these days than it was back then. Uh, back then, you you had to pay a higher interest rate if you didn't want to provide a lot of onerous doc d- documentation am i right that's right yeah okay okay yeah well, this is incredibly boring to me but i don't think it will be when it compounds the misery of the last year and a half yeah yeah i mean as it is i mean i look i know a lot of people who are uh you know living their best life you know commuting from you know from from the bedroom to the kitchen to get a cup of coffee to their office in home office but other people man they're like doing like uber eats and driving around and it's just not great for them no i think i think that the the pandemic and the lockdown has been very difficult for a lot of people uh had this pandemic happened even 10 years ago where people could not work from home. Um, could you imagine what it would be like then? I mean, where people just, everything was really shut down. Um, I think that that's, you know, technology has certainly softened the blow uh, with what a lot of folks have had to do over the last 16 months. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I guess. Uh, well, it would it, it would hard it would be hard to imagine life actually. It, it, wouldn't wouldn't you say that ten years ago they wouldn't have shut the economy down? The ten years ago that people would have just gone to work sick, and so we might have seen worse results, you know, worse infection rates, and so forth. Um. Hello, hello, hello. No, I'm I'm trying to think about about uh, what the world was like in 2011, and uh, I mean I mean we're just we were just coming out of a, a the financial crisis, which the housing market had a lot to do with. Um, no, yeah, I I don't think they would have locked us down. Um. The, um, uh, look, a lot of people had to go to work, okay? And not just doctors and nurses and firemen. Um, you know, I, I, I you know, a, a lot of people ha- had jobs that you had to like go interact with 
the public. Um, now, a lot of those were closed for a while um, because they were deemed non-essential. Um, you know, I know, I know, for example, our friend Ray at All in a Dream Comics and Books at 3115 East Colfax in Denver um, couldn't open for a while. And then he did. And then, you know, now he's, by the way, I stopped in the shop. It's nice. The new, the new place. Yeah. 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 He, it, it made him, well, as is often the case with moves, right? You got to clear out everything that you ain't taken with you because, yeah. you know, it's expensive and a lot of trouble and you just uh, hunker down and get rid of what you don't need. So, for example, I have this paperweight that's made out of some stone. I don't know where I got it, but it, it's, it's classy, kind of has a tesseract vibe. I don't know that I need it. Hmm. No. Pretty much the stuff on my desk is heavy enough to weigh itself down. I don't really need accoutrement. Anyway, Ray got rid of some non-essential stuff and he's got a, you know, and like, you know, so it's on, it's on East Colfax. So parking can be tight, but, you know, we found some around the corner in front of the liquor store. And then when something opened up right out front, whoosh, I drove around the block and I snagged it. I thought you were, I thought you were going to say that you guys just rented bird scooters and you just uh, cruised, <laughs> cruised down Colfax. How much, uh, how much, how, you know, I've seen those around. How much does it cost to rent a scooter? I don't know. <clears throat> I really don't know. I've, I've seen them around too. And uh, I've, I went a couple of years ago, I went to a conference in San Diego and they were, they had bird scooters all over the place. And there were a few people like middle-aged, uh, uh, middle-aged persons who, were more used to having something with wheels take them places than use their feet uh, that were crazy about the bird scooters and but did not quite have the ability to control you're killing and, yourself to not offend overweight middle class white people how scared are you right now they've had it rough lately They've been through a lot. They sure have. They sure have. They've gone through a lot. And they didn't have the coordination to steer these things. And so they go crashing into parked cars and parking meters and stuff like that. And I was just like, this is so ridiculous. Do you think I could find video of that? Because that's. Yeah. 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 You do. A, you do a YouTube search for uh, bird scooter accidents and you'll never leave your office. And, and, and watch the hilarity unfold. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, have you watched? Have you watched any of the Olympics? Uh, no. I I'll, I'll catch a few highlights here and there. Um, I I used to be more into the Olympics than I am this year, and I, the whole I don't know. I'm pretty cynical about the whole thing. Good, as you should be. I hate the Olympics. I hate the Olympics almost as much as I hate nature sobriety 
you you say that you say that, but I do remember you recently retweeting a, a, a dolphin just enjoying itself and having a good time. So you yeah, keep up that 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 tough shell about hating nature, but uh, uh, I I've heard that dolphins are can, can behave like Russian supermodels. Really. Mm-hmm. That they that that when they like get mean about something, they're like incredibly fierce and horrible. Rip, rip stuff, apart. <laughs> rip stuff apart. When I was an electrician, I was uh, uh, working on a house, and it was for a Russian builder. And so. Uh, we're hanging the light fixtures. We're putting in the the switches and the plugs, and you know it's near it's near the completion. And the builder comes in, and this was a Russian woman, and she comes in and she starts screaming, "This is the wrong color! Dismantle everything!" <laughs> or we could just take it down. I don't know if we need to dismantle everything. I could just take it down. Put a different color up. <laughs> hey, Brian, speaking yeah. of the Russians, I got my cop, my physical copy of The Iron Curtain by Ann Applebaum in the mail today. Uh, the Crushing of Eastern Europe, 1944 to 1956. Yeah, talk about dismantle everything. Look, look at the print in this sweet baby. Woo! <laughs> what is that? Like seven million words? <laughs> it's just I'm almost done with the audiobook, and I decided I wanted to own the actual book because it's just it, but it it, it kind of reminds me of uh David Halberstam uh in how exhausted it becomes it's so exhaustively researched and reported that it can be exhausting Mm -hmm. um david halberstam's book uh the best and the brightest talks about how uh the the americans got into vietnam against in spite of not being a colonial power and in spite of not having a vital uh, a compelling and overriding national interest in Southeast Asia, you know, they, they just, you know, a little bit here, a little bit there. And, and, you know, the, it, it just became a matter of in for a dime, in for a dollar until, you know, they had a half a million men under arms and still, and, you know, and, 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 and so anyway, it, it went through, like the Kennedy administration, the Johnson administration, up to the Nixon administration. And, and I think it, it ended and I think the book wrapped it up. I read it when I was in the Philippines. I mean, it was, it was, I mean, it was good for what it is, but you know, one of the things I always liked about how David Halberstam, who was, um, uh, uh, he, he was a distinguished journalist. Uh, he started in um, the American South. Um, he, he got it. And, and so, but it was in the 50s and 60s. So he wasn't exactly 
like Pug Henry or Zelig because he wasn't just a guy who happened to be there, but like a good newspaper guy. He didn't say no to stuff and he went where interesting things could happen. And so, for example, he was in Sun Studios and saw the young Elvis and those other Sun uh, musicians. I think um, what, uh, Carl Perkins, Johnny Cash, Charlie Charlie Rich were all on the Sun label, but you know Elvis was the biggest. And then Halberstam covered um, uh, the civil rights the civil rights um, uh, movement. <clears throat> but then he went to Vietnam, and he was a big. Um, at the, but at this point, he's working for the New York Times. And it was said that Kennedy was getting more accurate intelligence about the state of things on the ground from Halberstam in the Times than he was from his own briefings. And, and one of the things that they were always very critical about the military at the time is that they would count any dead Vietnamese as uh, Viet Cong. So if you drop like a lot of bombs and you kill maybe, I mean, what, what might be considered properly as collateral damage or the accidental dead, but you know, there are Vietnamese, you know, that got killed by a bomb. So it's like, well, we're gonna call them VC uh, or Viet Cong and then, and, you know, the numbers were like really inflated and, you know, you end up like, well, I mean, for killing this many Viet Cong, we, we, they, they must be running out, right? Surely we're winning. <laughs> I mean, right. We've got mm -hmm. scoreboard mm -hmm. when, I mean, it was clear, it was clear to Ho Chi Minh and almost everybody that's fought the American since is that when when shock and awe stops working, the Americans kind of lose interest and, and want to go home. And the other guys feel like they can wait it out. And, yeah. um, you know, people, some, some people actually went into that line of work. You and I aren't two of them, so we can leave them to make those decisions. But um, I know there's, there's a, just a really great story. I mean, when you, when, oh, see scouts inside. So, um, Sc scout. Oh, that's a long, that's a, that's a long time ago. Maybe that's my favorite dog. So I'd, I'd rather pretend it's Scott scout than that foo foo little thing. You got your daughter, that designer dog. <laughs> Um, like Jerry Orbach, she's also a treasure. Your dog or your daughter? Because I, oh. <laughs> well, because your daughter is fantastic, but she's she, Jerry Orbach. <laughs> <laughs> um, so there's a, so, so it's just so amazing to me that the Americans had half a million men in Vietnam in like 68 and 69. 
And all they were trying to do was stabilize the Southern half. I mean, uh, uh, Vietnam's roughly the size of California. Do you think that the Americans could hold like Fresno to San Diego, right? Well, it got messy, right? And, and uh, of course the Marines always wanted to march on Hanoi, um, but <clears throat> they were prohibited from doing so because there was like this quasi peace accord that wouldn't allow them to cross a certain parallel. They were trying to do it like um, uh, Korea. So it's like, okay, well, the North can be this and the South can be that. But um, anyway, there's a, great, there's a great story where John McCain was running for, John McCain ran for the Senate in Arizona and I think overlapped with, I don't think it was Barry Goldwater's seat, but maybe it was. Um, anyway, Barry Goldwater was, I mean, ran in 1964 as president on essentially the same platform that Ronald Reagan won in um, 1980. So he says, um, George Will says that um, Barry Goldwater won the presidential election in 64. It just took another 16 years for all the vo votes to be counted. Um, and, and so um, Barry Goldwater meets John McCain. John McCain was, before he was a US Senator, uh, a, a five and a half year prisoner of the North Vietnamese. He was tortured and broken. His, his uh, fighter, bomber, whatever it was, was shot down over Hanoi. He broke like both shoulders and a, and a leg and like they didn't really set him and they would like beat him. <laughs> I mean, it was like, you know, he was treated very poorly. Anyway, uh, as, as prisoners of war sometimes are. Mm -hmm. I refer you once again to Ann Applebaum's excellent book, The Iron Curtain. Um, so anyway, so, so uh, Barry Goldwater says to, um, says to uh, John McCain, you know, if, I, if I'd have been elected president, you wouldn't have been in a North Vietnamese prisoner of war camp. And McCain says, I know that Barry, I would have been in a Chinese prisoner of war camp. <laughs> because the prevailing thought at the time was that if the Americans ever went north, if, the Ameri if, the, if, if Oliver North and Jim Webb and those Marines had taken Hanoi the way they militarily could have, it would have drawn China into the, into the war. Now, there's been actually a lot of uh, speculation about that because the thought in America is that a commie is a commie is a commie. Um, but the fact is that Red China under Mao and the Soviet Union under, I don't know if it was still Khrushchev or is, if it was Brezhnev by then, um, they actually had problems. I mean, they had their own border that they didn't know was, that they didn't get along over mm -hmm. and they also had different ideas as to what communism was supposed to be right so um 
the stock the Stalinist regime in Vietnam was pretty terrible, but I mean, it's like understandable within like the basic parameters of uh, like gangster movies, you know, where like they torture you to make you break and then, you know, you know, put two in the back of your head. Um, the Maoists and, and the Maoists are like, crazy <laughs> they're like crazy in in like their ideology like 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 they they kind of think it works and so um the places where mao maoism has gotten a foothold are like places like peru where there's a group called the shining path and in cambodia uh pol pot Paul Pot was the guy behind the killing fields. Now, Cambodia had a population of like 7 million people and two to 3 million were killed. Um, that's, what is that? That's 40%. Mm -hmm. And some of the offenses were, if you wore glasses, you were a troublemaking intellectual who's, who reads books. So yeah we wouldn't have uh, made it yeah by the way america has those guys too and a lot of them live in portland but i digress <laughs> look uh, here we got another troublemaker <laughs> glasses wearing book reading <laughs> uh agitating agitating we were going to talk a little bit about the Olympics. I yeah, but I well, I mean, I said I hated it, and I hate it because of Lenny Riefens. Okay, first of all, I think it's I think it's a nationalist pageant. Okay, which like it, which like the like like not unlike the NFL in that you only see what they want you to see. Mm -hmm. Wait, wait, oh, hang on. Was I done with Vietnam? It just seems like there's so much more for me to say. Oh. Oh, oh, I just want to say this. I just want to say this. This is how America had it wrong, right? So uh, the it was the Maoist Khmer Rouge in Cambodia that was killing everybody. And then, and so like by the late 70s, Saigon fell to the North Vietnamese. The Americans were gone in 75. Okay, so from 75 on, it's been a Stalinist regime in Vietnam, and there's been various degrees of openness to the West and the ca capitalism and so forth. But um, the bloodletting in Cambodia was getting to be even too much for the Stalinists in, mm -hmm. in, in Vietnam. So they're like they like invaded the, the the Vietnamese invaded Cambodia just to knock it off, and they um, they put up their own puppet uh, ruler and came back home and like okay so yeah yeah you're well and they were Campuchia for a minute right and then there mm -hmm. was there was like a a famous um, rock concert can uh, concert for Campuchia. George Harrison, I think, put it on, and he invited some famous friends. There were some, uh, there were some good. I had that album. 
by the way. I didn't even know what Campuchia was, but had Dave Edmonds on it. And I think the Who play, had a couple of songs on it. <laughs> anyway, um, so then the Chinese, so in 79, the Chinese are like, okay, so like the Chinese have always had a Vietnamese problem, right? Because they would like to just take over everything. And the Vietnamese are like, nah, we're good. And so, and so the Vietnamese, or the Chinese send like a million men over the North border to teach the Vietnamese some manners. And, and I mean, the Vietnamese, I, I, I kid you not, are like that, are like the little guy in the bar, bar fight. He's like, I got a bloody nose. He's like, you want you want some of this? Come at me, bro. And so, and so, I mean, they sent a million men and the Vietnamese sent them back. And the, the Chinese, the Chinese military is essentially like, um, are we still doing this? Cause it's, we're going we're gonna to need a bigger boat. You know, if we're really going to, and they're like, oh no, I think they learned their lesson. Okay. All right. So that was that. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, and, and like, if, if things were to go on a certain way, America would actually have a natural ally in the Vietnamese if they wanted to like counter Chinese expansion, mm -hmm. even though, even though, I mean, you know, for, okay, so for millennia, the, um, uh, the Chinese have like, I mean, they're an incredibly entrepreneurial people, right? Which is why any place you go on earth, any place, there's a Chinese restaurant run by Chinese people. I mean, I, you know, I've, I've eaten in, you know, in Spain in a Chinese restaurant run by, you know, so it's like the family business. Okay. So anyway, um, I don't know what that was about. Oh, there's, a, there's like a lot of natural expansion. So like my friend Chap is actually ethnically Chinese, but he's Vietnamese. He's totally Vietnamese but he looks kind of Chinese because he's like kind of bald compared to a lot of Vietnamese who are like, you know, not bald typically. All right, <clears throat> back to the Olympics. Why do I, how I, why I hate them. Number one, the pageant of nationalism. I just don't like, you know, it's like, it's, it's one thing to root for the scrappy underdog. And sometimes that's been America against the Russians, right? Against the Russian hockey machine in 1980 or whatever. But, you know, usually the big guys win, okay? Mm -hmm. the, best, the best thing about uh, the Jamaican bobsled team was Cool Runnings, John Candy's finest film. Mm. <laughs> the, great, the great outdoors would like a word, but we'll... Um, did you ever see planes, trains, and automobiles? I've never seen it. Yeah, no, I, I've I've never seen all of it. Um. So, uh, anyway, um. You know, I mean, it was kind of fun when, like, the Lithuanian team had those uh, could couldn't afford, uh, uh, uniforms. So Jerry Garcia, mm -hmm. uh, got them tie-dyed uh do you remember that that would have been in like 92 right yeah 
so that was that okay that was fun that was cool but uh you know but just it's just become this okay and, and look this isn't like a thing where like the old guys always like their coming of age years of saturday night live okay it's not um just you know a hipster yeah you know i liked i i liked nick lowe's early stuff you know it's not like that i was i was drinking ipas before they were cool right i i gave up <laughs> remember that onion article you sent me about uh which one uh <laughs> lo local man regrets quitting drinking before craft brew craze yeah yeah <laughs> oh i remember that one do you <laughs> yeah you know what I, t I i look at them now and they are just I, I i there is not one beer on the shelf that makes me want to fall off the wagon i mean there's all sorts of sours and fruity stuff i saw something that had beans in it this is like burrito beer i mean it's crazy it's just crazy and you like hear other beer guys and they're talking about it you know mead mead is where it's at these days there's a lot of good mead coming out of northern colorado <laughs> are you going to tell a renaissance fair story again or no i'm just who who ate at medi medieval times you were jared jared not me that's right that's right. You, it's hard for you to fit in with your twice decadely <laughs> visit to Casa Bonita. Um, okay, here's the other thing. The other thing they don't they don't show you about the Olympics. Okay, is uh, those Olympic villages? They're like it's apparently it's like an orgy all the time it is just people who are like really physical people hooking up with other really physical people from yeah, all around the, the world the olympics the three and a half weeks is that is that like the time frame it seems like at least that long you, you've got a guy you've got a guy that 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 does two races and then he's done what what is he gonna do with himself go home no go back to no. mother there's all there's all these good looking young fit people here. Yeah. So okay, so uh, all right, uh, I you know I understand that people have sex before marriage. I I I I understand that, but you know don't expect me to. Uh, you know don't expect me to uh, approve of uh, the Olympic Village shenanigans. You know, somebody's probably just trying to like read, get their head around their competition. Stay focused. That's right. That's right. Not have their what? Go ahead. No, I I think that there's there's a lot there's a lot wrong with it. I think that that the selection process is incredibly corrupt. Um, you know that cities are awarded, but what? The uh, Sochi was awarded the Winter Olympics a few years ago, and uh, they were like, "Yeah, it never snows here." <laughs> How far did we get? Like, have to, so they made snow, and then didn't they have to travel? 
they had to travel and then like it's like even then it's like yeah they they had snow making machines going like all the time and it was incredibly icy and um which isn't really i mean which is great for figure skating not great for the, the super g ski race well, Brian, I don't think anybody wants me to get loose about the Russians again, but I would like to refer a third time to Anne Applebaum's excellent book, The Iron Curtain, The uh, Crushing of Eastern Europe, 19 something to something else. I don't have it right in front of me. I put it back on the shelf. Um, you know, no, so, Vladimir yeah, so, Putin's a thug. Putin is a thug. He's a gangster. He's a mobster. He shouldn't be at the table with any respectable world leader. Oh, does this sound political? A little bit. Mm, okay. Well, anyway, um, while having the utmost, uh, as much respect as is absolutely necessary for the leader of Russia, uh, he has treated his people very badly. And golly, we wish it knock that off and maybe so, maybe he'll change and maybe he'll change someday maybe he will maybe maybe something will happen and he'll change his mind but um for right now okay okay well so so there was one other thing uh so uh so we have a uh, rampant nationalism uh hump fest and then we've got uh what was yet there was something else that bugs me about the olympics and that is i don't know i'll come to it um you know, I've been to like, okay, like Atlanta has some pretty cool stuff because they hosted the Olympics and whatever. What year was that? 88? I think, yeah, I think it was 88. Because 92? I think it was 92. Maybe it was 92. No. Yeah, because 80, 84 was Los Angeles, wasn't it? 84 was Los Angeles. I don't think they would have gone back to back. US? Yeah. Yeah um soul had something barcelona barcelona <laughs> that's my freddie mercury again uh apparently it would have killed jack to cut out the laughing like uh burt reynolds and then putting it at the beginning of the show and then See, I think that would have been like, oh, what is this noise? What is going on? And then like, as you listen. We'll work on that. We'll work on that. Okay. Okay. Well, I mean, just so long as he understands that, you know, he's probably like five hours of me watching YouTube how-to videos out of, out, out of a job. <laughs> See, it's back to the lawnmower business for Jack. Okay, uh, back back to the Olympics. So things things that annoy you about the Olympics. Well, 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 you, you were saying that these 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 cities and countries go millions, billions of dollars into debt, and it never pays for itself. And I'm right. sure that that's true in Brazil and China and Greece. <laughs> Oh, Greece. Yeesh. I mean, I, I'm, I'm not sure they've broken ground on everything yet. Um, we've, ta we've talked about my favorite Horatio Sands skit. That is so, what did he, 
<laughs> he was he was on weekend update jimmy fallon invited him on as a, a the the spokesman the olympic spokesman from greece to talk about the olympics and here like the olympics are like two weeks away and like they're not done building things yet and Horatio Sands says, yeah, Jimmy, we've added a few more events to this year's Olympics. And Jimmy's like, oh, yeah? Like what? Like what? Stadium building. <laughs> That's funny. Oh. Yeah, it's funny. Um, and, yeah. And, then, and then Jimmy just disintegrates into laughter because he cannot. Because he can't not break with Horatio Sands. Uh, yeah. Okay, so I watched like 10 minutes of, okay, so there's a new match game with Alec Baldwin. Did you know this? No. Yeah, so they brought back, apparently they brought back a ton of old game shows like from the 70s and they're, they're playing them again. Well, they're, and they're getting like modern and, and hip. So like, um, uh what's the name jane lynch has got one she had like fan like nbc sunday family game night or something like that or, or whatever for a while i don't know okay okay um somebody's got like a x number of dollars pyramid um alec baldwin did um does match game so anyway I saw that Horatio Sands was a guest, so I watched it, and it was it was unspeakably bad. It was, I mean, I you know I don't know, I don't know if Alec Baldwin is if it's just fun for him. He doesn't really. I mean, he did kind of do a funny imitation of his brother acting, where he like pulled his cheek, he like sucked his cheeks in, and and looked all. I don't know. Emo. Brooding. Yeah. Yeah. Brooding. <laughs> Good. Yeah. Um, and I don't even know which of the ball. I mean, if it was Steven or Billy or sleepy or grumpy, I, I, I don't really know which Baldwin is which. Um, anyway, uh, it was, it was terrible. It was really, it was really terrible. And Horatio Sands wasn't that funny. And, um, uh, anyway, uh, um, the Olympics, but, I don't know. Atlanta seemed to come out okay. LA came out okay. Uh, London came out okay, right? I mean, didn't they do like a whole millennial? I mean, it wasn't like all that millennial building for the Olympics in London where they have like, the, they got the giant Ferris wheel now and other stuff that they pretend to blow up in James Bond movies? I don't, I don't know. Okay. Well, yeah, I don't, I don't know why they built that giant Ferris wheel. Because <laughs> it's fun, Brian. Because some people are like they? Ferris wheels. Some people are they like fun? Ferris wheels. Some people like them. It's been a really long time since I've been on one. And was it fun when you were on it? It was okay. I didn't bother. Who, who were you with? I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I don't. Okay. You got me. You got me. I'm breaking. See? <laughs> I don't remember the last time I was on a, I mean, the next time Mrs. Winger comes running by giving me an unbelievable a look of disbelief that I'm still on the podcast with you. 
Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to ask her if she and I have ever been on a Ferris wheel. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, that, that's true. That's part of the problem that I have with the Olympics is that I think it's a, a huge financial burden for the, the city that's chosen. Um, and I remembered my third thing now. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. And Chris Galley knows a lot more about this than I do. Okay. Uh, but like they like do stuff to like these young women with the gymnastics, like, so they're like, they're like, they don't menstruate for a long time. I don't know if they like give them blockers or if it's just like the high degree of physical training just like shuts it down. But then there was like the guy at Michigan State, that doctor, yeah. Nasser, who was yeah. like a full, full out pedo. Did he accident? Did he accidentally kill himself in um, when incarcerated? Do you, no, do you know? I, I don't. I don't think he's had an unfortunate accident yet. Okay, that surprises me. So he's yeah. he, he's still in this. I think I think he's still alive in jail, incarcerated. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah. So that, I mean, I mean, that, that, that's just horrible. I think if a, if a, if, if a fully, you know, if, if a, if a grown person wants to make that sort of commitment, uh, to their time and submit to, uh, corporate sponsorship, uh, they're welcome to do so. Uh, but I think it's kind of creepy and weird and, unfortunate when they do it with little kids mm -hmm. that's what i say yeah that's what i say <laughs> and now i'm gonna speak like i'm in it i'm in a guy Ritchie movie right i can i can still understand you so you're not doing a great job <laughs> no you're not doing it right <laughs> <laughs> um What's his deal? Guy he, like, ma he made some like really violent movies that were supposed to be gritty but funny. And then he married Madonna. And then he didn't have a hit. And then he made the Sherlock Holmes movies. And then he's like kind of on a resurgence. But all I've seen are like the, and every time I open up iTunes uh, or Apple TV, it tries to sell me Wrath of Man, which just looks like any Arnold Schwarzenegger movie in the last 40 years uh, with Jason Statham, who I don't really, doesn't seem like that tough to me. He's not a big guy. I, think he, is he? I don't no. think he's real tall. I don't think he's real tall, but I think he's, I think he's pretty tough. You think he could take me? <laughs> no way. <laughs> Even if I had a copy of Ann Applebaum's The Iron Curtain, all all 1700 how many pages is this this is, i can't believe how tiny the print is well okay plus there's bonus pages because they don't number the uh, index all right keep talking i'm looking yeah uh you are killing I, this podcast i think that uh the thing with guy Ritchie is that he, he was what his first three or four movies which i've never seen um, but but people really liked him. They're hyper violent, but also he mixes that with with humor. 
Um, okay, it's only about 500 pages, but so it's it wouldn't make for the weapon that say David Foster Wallace would, but you know. Anyway, Jason right. Jason Bour Jason Bourne beat up some guy with a magazine in uh, one of those movies. And what's a magazine? Um, yeah, Matt Damon, by the way, was in my Apple News feed. Uh, he's a little today. little trouble. Uh, he's from Boston. He's a certain age. And if he says he never used that word, he's a despicable liar. Yeah. He's just not going to use it anymore. He said, as I read it, he said he never used it. Oh, really? Yeah, he's lying. Yeah. Anyway, Jason Bourne magazine, check. Yeah. Check. yeah. yeah. Anyway, Jason Statham. All right, fine. So, 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 so Guy Ritchie, uh, he was real, real popular for, you know, in the late 90s, early 2000s for those real stylistic, you know, slows down the camera when a gun gets fired type of thing. And then does the, this, 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 the camera spin around it. And yeah, he it, it, it had a real technical. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, okay, so there was a, there was half a season of a TV show called Keen Eddie on um, Fox in the early aughts did you ever mm -mm. late 90s early aughts clearly had been influenced by this right just like like you'll you'll see a guy's face and then you'll have a sound effect like whoosh, mm -hmm. and like the camera will like swing around his head you know and like mm -hmm. to to accentuate his disorientation and then then like you'll hear a horn honking and then like oh you realize he's in the middle of the street what Mm -hmm. You know, and like, how did he get here? Then they tell the story backwards for 15 minutes. That kind of storytelling, right? Yeah, yeah. But Guy Ritchie can play it straight, right? I mean, he uh, he did I Spy, which you and I, I think, both liked. I Didn't Spy? You? Wait, no, not I Spy. Man from Uncle. Yeah, I did like Man from Uncle. Man from Uncle was pretty good. I Spy was a piece of crap with Owen Wilson and Eddie Murphy. It was horrible. never saw it. Never saw it. It was so bad. Yeah. Bad. But Man from Uncle. Okay. And here's the thing in this, in the late 60s, both of those were TV shows, right? The Man right. from Uncle and um, I Spy. I Spy had Robert Culp, is who you get when you couldn't get Robert Redford and uh, Bill Cosby before um, uh, the Cosby Show. Before the Cosby Show. So um, that, and that, that, that was like really cool. And I always think I spy first, the man from uncle had Robert Vaughn uh, who was in among other things. He was, he was like the uptight guy in bullet. He played um, the over the hill gunslinger in uh, the magnificent seven. I mean, he's just, he, he, he played this like, I mean, he, 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 tried to bring this um uh this like simmering <laughs> something to to the role you know like like um in the magnificent seven there's like i don't know there's five flies on the on the table and he's like so fast and he like reaches out and he snatches them and he opens his hand and he's got three of them and he goes time was i would have eaten all five <laughs> 
whatever. Nobody would have gotten all five. Not me. No. Um, and then who's the other guy in Man from Uncle? Was the young the young when he was a young guy? Okay, so okay, so the guy who plays like the forensic scientist in uh, NCIS. The, he's a Brit. Mm-hmm. Do you know who I'm talking about? Anyway, I don't really. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. Okay, I don't watch it either. Okay, but I'm I'm erudite, Brian, and I know about other things. Like you've never walked into the room and your mom's had NCIS on. No. No one's parents ever had NCIS on. Mm-hmm. All uh-huh. all the all the okay. time. Okay. Okay. Well, then then there you go. That's all I'm saying. So you walk in the room and that guy, that old guy was when he was a young man was in the man from uncle on tv whatever his name is he's british so who cares so (laughs) speaking british so i sent your wife a review of uh that um nancy mitford book which has been adapted by emily mortimer for the bbc and amazon and um, I just sent her the review because I thought she'd be interested in it. Sarah gives me like a really long, her own review in text format. Mm-hmm. I was speechless. I, that was so much more than I was expecting. I mean, I, I, I really would have been satisfied with thanks or okay, but. Um, yes. Yeah. Did she, you really, she, did you really think that you could bring up the Mitford sisters and have her reply with a K. That's funny right there. That's funny. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I, well, if I'd have thought about it, probably should. So, you know what? This is one of those times when a guy probably should have thought twice before push and send. Not that anything bad happened, just that... Um, I don't know. It might have taken a chunk of poor Sarah's day to have to give me a thorough reply. Oh, it was it was. Uh, it added to her joy for the day. I'll tell you that. No kidding. Yeah. Oh, that's great. That's terrific. That's great. Uh, I, you know, I I sent it to her and not you, because I felt like you would trust me that this wasn't the first uh in a gambit to steal her away from you yeah um um and also i remember the time when back when people had landlines and not everybody had cell phones and i called the house and i ended up talking to her for like two hours and it was awesome i love that i miss that so much not talking to my friends wives who are so much cooler than my friends you like her so much you should have her as the aide de camp i don't know what this is supposed to mean i don't know where this is going jeff where is this coming from (laughs) well doc it's this thing (laughs) i dig chicks (laughs) 
Uh, that's actually a song by a guy named Jonah Jonas. He's not one of the Jonas brothers, uh, but he was who you got when you couldn't get the guy that you got when you couldn't get Louis Armstrong. Hmm. Did you know that there's actually, there's like a fourth Jonas brother who's obviously not as famous as the other three? And uh, Barry Gibb of the Jonases? Well, I, like, I, he's not, I don't think that he's like even like in the business, but he was referred to once as the bonus Jonas by the other three. And that like seriously fractured the family relationship. No way. Yeah. That's hilarious. Mm -hmm. The bonus Jonas. Hmm. I wonder what I could call my sister. She was the, I don't know. I'll work on that. By the way, my sister, my sister wants to be on the podcast and my sister is hilarious. At least she is with me. Um, um, so probably the next time you have something more important to do. Oh, so like I can't be around your family members. I'd be happy to have my mom and dad on. You want to, you want a piece of that? Yeah. Very territorial about my spot as the aide de camp so i just don't want to be replaced oh you gotta well just keep showing up you know just <laughs> every week this happens so you know just you just keep scoring for us on friday nights <laughs> uh okay well um i think um from from the millions of uh, people about to be driven from their homes to uh, remembrances of uh, Stalinism around the globe and uh, the legacy of murder and oppression to uh, the Olympics being um, uh, essentially uh, an Eagles after party. After the second encore at an Eagles show. This this hasn't been our most fun episode, but um, covered some good ground. What do you think were some of the highlights? Uh, me correcting you that I Spy was not directed by Guy Ritchie. <laughs> that was the highlight. All right, everybody, thank you for being a part of this Managing Expectations podcast. We've had fun and we hope you did. Uh, hope you learned something. Hope you have something to think about. Um, um, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if my uh, Putin screed is going to get our listener in Israel back. We weren't getting listened to in Russia before, so we should be okay. We should be all right. Okay. Unless uh, they're using like a VPN and uh, all of our international listeners. On. That's not going to fool Podbean. Do you think that's going to fool Podbean? <laughs> this, this has been the Managing Expectations podcast. I'm Jeff Winger. 
on behalf of the aide-de-camp, the, the zealous and jealous aide-de-camp, Brian Grimm. Thanks for listening. Let's go to work.